It is Wednesday, May 4th, and this is People Every Day. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Sheeler, and I'm the Deputy West Coast Editor at People. It's a pleasure to be back, and there's a lot going on today, so here we go. Well, the Met Gala was two days ago, sometimes called the biggest night in fashion, and yet somehow we are still talking about Kim Kardashian's dress. As you've no doubt heard by now, Kardashian climbed the gala's red carpet wearing a dress that was previously worn by Marilyn Monroe and purchased by Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in 2016 for $4.8 million. Now, this just isn't any dress. This is, in fact, the one Monroe wore when she famously wished President John F. Kennedy a happy birthday. Dr. Justine DeYoung, professor of fashion history at the Fashion Institute of Technology, tells people that Kardashian's look was, quote, irresponsible and unnecessary. Monroe historian and collector Scott Fortner echoed the concerns of Dr. DeYoung, saying, While I understand the appeal of wanting to wear such an iconic gown, it can't be dismissed or overlooked that anyone other than Marilyn Monroe wearing the famous Happy Birthday, Mr. President dress might be cause for concern for several reasons. Fortner also stressed to people that the dress wasn't just some off-the-rack garment, but was made specifically for the late actress and added, Marilyn stood nude as the fabric for the dress was literally sculpted to her body to precisely match every curve. Look, it's worth noting that there are no reports of the dress being damaged, although apparently the dress was not able to be fully zipped and was in fact closed with a string. And Kim did change out of the real dress and into a replica of the dress after she walked the red carpet, which makes me wonder why she didn't wear a replica in the first place. But look, with the Kardashians, if we're talking, they're winning, right? And ironically, today people are noting that Kris Jenner was giving us all Jackie Kennedy vibes, so there's that. Moving on, Circle singer Post Malone is going to be a father. Malone told people, I'm excited for this next chapter in my life. I'm the happiest I've ever been, and ever since I could remember, I was sad. Time to take care of my body and my family and my friends and spread as much love as we can every day. The 26-year-old is also gearing up for the release of his new album, 12 Carat Toothache, which is set to be released on June 3rd. And now shifting gears entirely. If you've been online for like more than five seconds today, you've probably heard that a fan attacked comedian Dave Chappelle on stage last night in Los Angeles. There's a lot to unpack. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for hip-hop history. Last night, while performing at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, comedian Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage. Chappelle was performing at the Netflix is a Joke Festival, along with other comedians, Chris Rock, Jamie Foxx, Leslie Jones, and Jon Stewart, when the incident occurred, which has since spread all over social media. The suspect has been identified as Isaiah Lee and has since been charged with felony assault with a deadly weapon. An LAPD spokesperson said that Lee's weapon was, quote, a replica handgun with a knife, which is the first of so many questions. There's a lot to get into here, so joining me now to break it all down is someone who was actually there last night, People's staff writer Brianne Tracy. Brianne, I have a feeling this was a late night for you. It was pretty shocking. I can't believe that all went down. Your jaw must have just hit the floor when you witnessed this from the audience. So just like, just tell us what happened. It was very shocking. I think the sentiment around the crowd was, we have no idea what's going on. Is this part of the show? But basically towards the end of Dave's set, a man rushed the stage who was wearing a black hoodie, black pants, and he grabbed his shoulders and pushed him down to the ground. He tried to run away on the stage, but then his Dave's crew and the security guards caught up with him. Then they started kind of just beating him up, and it was pretty wild. Not just security people 
were like springing into action to help here. I mean, in fact, like Chris Rock and Jamie Foxx ran to Chappelle's aid, right? That's right. Chris had come out on stage and said, was that Will Smith? Because, of course, he had the the slap date at the Oscars, (laughs) which was crazy. It was funny in the moment for such a, a heavy situation. But then also Jamie Foxx had come out to assist Dave. This really brought back you know, the Oscars, right, to, to, the, to the forefront of our mind. Even you just said you were like, is this, is this a bit? Is this part of the act? And then Rock even joked, you know, like, Will slapped him, right? So exactly how did that go down? How did that joke play out from Chris Rock? And it was the reaction to the joke. Everyone in the crowd seemed to be laughing at that point because we were all so shocked. I think we were all just needed that one moment of, like, relief between with seeing everything that happened and the guy being tackled and all of that. So it definitely went over well in the crowd, but then we were still confused what exactly was going on. Comedy is such a space where it can make people pretty mad. It touches on different topics. So I think going forward, people are going to be a little bit more hesitant to do stuff in big crowds like this. Maybe they'll do smaller shows where they know they can really have a handle on all the security situations. How was, in in your estimation, just going there as an attendee, how do you think security was? So there was a ton of event staff walking around throughout the night. They also had taken all of our phones and put them in pouches that were locked. So I felt like people were definitely on the lookout if anyone had phones or anything like that. Where did all these videos come from on Twitter then? They must have snuck them in, I'm assuming. They checked our bags and everything, and we went through metal detectors too. So I'm not exactly sure how the man was able to get through with this knife. Because it seems like comedians have already been talking a lot uh, in the past few years about cancel culture has has adjusted perhaps, you know, some of the jokes that they feel like they can make or should make or even able to make. The thing that you're saying about cancel culture, during Dave's set, he had talked so much about how he was canceled. But then he went on later in the night to say that was a trans man when the guy had attacked him. That's what I want to get into next is, is Chappelle's reaction to everything. After it happened, Chappelle's first reaction was it was a trans man who attacked him. Let's just say it. Chappelle has a history of making transphobic jokes and comments. We saw the backlash after his Netflix special, The Closer, had some really transphobic jokes in it. And in fact, Netflix employees staged a walkout after the streaming service continued to support the comedian. It's mind-boggling and in fact offensive to me that after being assaulted on stage, his first reaction is to make another transphobic remark. What was the reaction in the audience to that so-called joke? Everyone was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe this is happening. That was kind of the overwhelming feeling. I thought the Chris Rock part was a little bit more lighthearted with Will Smith. Like he was making a joke for the first time since he had gotten slapped and said his name for the first time. But when he said the trans joke, Given his history, and if you know his history, you know how inappropriate that is and how offensive that is. And something else that that has come to, to my mind, that you know, there's having this series of people being able to get really close to celebrities and performers at these events. Last week, Olivia Wilde was served legal papers while on stage at CinemaCon. And you said that you saw a, a lot of security at these events, but are, are you just personally surprised that anyone could just like waltz up on stage at any given moment? Yeah, I'm very shocked that even when someone was making their way towards the stage that they weren't stopped. 
because, you, you know, it's kind of a crazy world we live in. You don't know who has what, who's going to do what. Like even at the show, there was Diddy, there was Elon Musk, and they had their own personal security teams there. Mm. So as they were walking through the crowd, there was people like stopping them to say hi and stuff, but they had those teams with them. Okay, Brian. just because I can't let this go, I'm obsessed with the fact that Elon Musk was sitting next to Diddy last night. I need like further information. Did people notice them together? Were their minds exploding also? Yeah, I definitely think that people's minds were exploding to see Diddy and Elon Musk sitting together. And then they also left together as they were leaving the theater after Dave had done his set. They were stopping to say hi and like take pictures. But while they were sitting, I could see them from my view. And they were like laughing the entire time during Dave's set. Uh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) We will continue to keep you all updated as more developments come out of this story. And Brienne, thanks again for stopping by to break it all down with me. Thanks, Jason. Okay, we are still smack dab in the middle of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. We're finally hearing today testimony on Heard's behalf, and there are more twists and turns that are coming to this ongoing saga. But first, today is May the 4th, which is also known as Star Wars Day. And wouldn't you know it, there is some news coming out of a galaxy far, far away. We'll catch you up right after this light speed break. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Ray, may the Force be with you. We are back, and may the Force be with you to all of my fellow Star Wars fans slash geeks out there. And yes, I am a Star Wars super fan. The Mandalorian is my favorite show ever. Earlier today, Disney released the trailer for the upcoming Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him. Ewan McGregor returns to the franchise for the first time since appearing in 2005's Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Can you believe that was in 2005? The series picks up 10 years after the prequel films where he, as Obi-Wan Kenobi, kept a watchful eye on a promising young Jedi known as Luke Skywalker. Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father. McGregor recently opened up about where Obi-Wan ended up ever since he failed to save the Republic. So we find Obi-Wan at the beginning of our story rather broken and faithless and beaten, somewhat given up. The trailer, which you have to watch immediately, gives us a glimpse into the years between the prequels and the original trilogy as the Empire hunts out the last remaining Jedi. Stay hidden. We will not survive. In another throwback, the series is also set to see Hayden Christensen reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker, now known as Darth Vader. And as he told our friends at Entertainment Weekly, it's a great honor to put that suit on. I know what some of you are thinking. Great, another streaming show to catch up on. But look, the trailer looks incredible. I have a source at Disney that says it is incredible. And despite some mixed reactions to some of the new Star Wars films, The new series, just like The Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, which I told you is amazing, have received high praise from critics and fans. This has led many to wonder if Star Wars is best suited for a streaming series only moving forward. This is the way. I say we need both. 
As you can tell, I'm very excited to see this new six-part series when it premieres in a few weeks on May 27th. And again, happy Star Wars Day to all those who celebrate. If you're a fan like me, you'll definitely try and watch something Star Wars today. Do or do not. There is no try. We have entered the next phase of the $50 million Johnny Depp defamation trial. Yesterday, Depp's team wrapped up their final witnesses and rested their case. We now move on as Amber Heard's defense team calls their first witness and starts to plead their case. The first witness on the stand for Heard was Dr. Don Hughes, a clinical and forensic psychologist who was there to rebut the testimony of the psychologist that Depp's team hired to evaluate Heard. Before we jump into what was said, I just want to let you know that we are going to be speaking about sexual violence and abuse in this conversation. Joining me now to discuss this testimony and to tell us what to expect from Heard is People Movies editor Nigel Smith. Hi, Nigel. So you're at the halfway point of your coverage of this trial. Thank you for joining us once again. The defense called their first witness who was there to dispute the testimony that Heard had, quote, borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder, which was raised by Depp's psychologist, and that she actually suffers from PTSD. Wait, is that correct? So a week ago, the forensic psychologist, Dr. Shannon Curry, testified that Heard showed no signs of PTSD. We have to remember that this was a doctor brought on by, by Depp's team. But Dr. Shannon Curry met with Heard for less time than the doctor who was brought to the stand yesterday and continued to be cross-examined by Depp's team today. And that was Dr. Don Hughes, who testified yesterday on Amber Heard's behalf, saying that she did indeed suffer from PTSD. According to her many meetings with her, she totaled around 29 hours in interviewing Heard both uh, four times in person and also twice via Zoom. And then she also interviewed some of Heard's treating physicians and the star's late mother. And she basically debunked everything that Johnny Depp's legal team tried to prove with the doctor that took the stand last week. During this testimony, Dr. Hughes shared very graphic details of Heard's sexual violence and abuse at the hands of Johnny Depp. This painted very much an opposing picture to what we've been hearing. Walk us through a little bit of that. It got really, really graphic. And a lot of what she said is probably going to be brought up again by Amber Heard herself, but either through interviews that Dr. Hughes did herself with Heard or through the many people that she spoke with. She testified about numerous allegations that Heard made about one instance where Johnny Depp threw her on the bed and allegedly ripped off her nightgown and tried to have sex with her. There's also instances where Johnny Depp got, got physical with Heard, according to her testimony. One such incident involved the actor James Franco, who Heard worked with on a film. And the testimony said that allegedly Johnny Depp was jealous of the time this, they spent together. And during a flight, he allegedly kicked Amber Heard in the back over this obsessive jealousy, as she described it. And then there were also instances where Johnny Depp allegedly penetrated Heard. Um, this is hard to hear, but with a, with a bottle. And then we also learned via the testimony that he allegedly also digitally penetrated Amber Heard against her wishes during one, one altercation. Something that I would love to hear you talk about a little bit, Nigel, is that what was brought up was, was Heard's history with abuse and perhaps even from her parents. It kind of mirrors, actually, if you remember back, it seems like a month ago, but it was just around a week ago, when Johnny Depp had his sister testify on his behalf, talking about their abusive childhood and how their mother 
was abusive to their family uh, as they grew up together. So this seems to be a similar thread that we're going to be hearing from Heard's side, where Heard actually talks about some trauma that she experienced in her childhood, how that transferred into her later life and into her relationship with Deb. And that, that got me too, actually, that, that she said that she thought she could fix Deb just like she tried to fix her father. That kind of goes back to, if I remember correctly, Depp trying to explain why he stayed around in the marriage with her. And he testified that he stuck around just like his father stuck around with his allegedly abusive wife and that he wanted to be a good example for his family. There have been a lot of left turns and a lot of Hollywood cameos in this whole thing. And then along comes James Franco. And in that Depp actually would call co-stars and like tell people that he had eyes on set. According to Dr. Hughes, Damber Heard alleged that Johnny Depp was the jealous type and that he got very jealous about her good-looking male co-stars, of which she obviously had plenty. But it was especially James Franco who drew a lot of attention. And they worked together on this movie called The Adderall Diaries. It came out in 2014, I believe. And according to this testimony, Johnny Depp just grew increasingly jealous over the time that she was spending with her co-star. Well, Nigel, as you all know, Heard is now taking the stand. And what do you think has had the biggest impact already today? Just seeing her face on the stand. She's been very reserved during the defamation trial despite all the horrible things that have been said about her. She had a poker face up until now, and now she's up on the stand emoting a lot. She began her opening statement talking about how, quote-unquote, horrible it's been for her for these past two weeks to, to watch all of these witnesses go up and testify on behalf of Depp and say bad things about her. And um, she opened up later when she alleged about the first time that Johnny Depp struck her. And that is when we first saw tears from Miss Heard on the stand. And it was a powerful moment in the courtroom. We're sitting next to each other on the couch. And I asked him about the tattoo he has on his arm. And to me, it just looked like um, black marks. It, like I didn't know, I didn't know what it said. It just looked like muddled, faded tattoo that was hard to read. And I said, "What does it? What does it say?" And he um, said, "It says why no." It says why no. And I, um, I didn't see that. I thought he was joking uh, because it didn't look like it said that at all. And I laughed. It was that simple. Um, I, I just laughed because I thought he was joking and slap me across the face. Well, we will continue to follow this. And Nigel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. If you are experiencing domestic violence, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or go to thehotline.org. All calls are toll-free and confidential. The hotline is available 24 hours, seven days a week in more than 170 languages. All right, we've had some heavy stories today, so let's end on something a little more fun and even exciting. Earlier this morning, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2022 was announced. Legends like the Eurythmics, Eminem, Carly Simon, and even Dolly Parton will be honored at the induction ceremony on November 5th in Los Angeles. The chairman of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame commented on the scope of this year's class, saying, 
This diverse group of inductees each had a profound impact on the sound of youth culture and helped change the course of rock and roll. Their music moved generations and influenced so many artists that followed. Very excited for them, very grateful that Dolly finally let us love her as much as we want to love her, and looking forward to watching the induction. All right, thank you all so much for listening today. I'm always honored to spend my day with you from the West Coast. Janine will be back with you again tomorrow for your Thursday edition of People Every Day.